Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Bissell. And I'm Timothy Plain. So this week, we have a very special guest. Very special. You're probably going to recognize something that she's done. I'm pretty sure 90% to 100% of the people have seen at least one thing that this guest has made. Her name is Arielle Zakowski. She's an editor. And her thing that she did that everyone has seen, imagining, is the Daredevil main titles, which was nominated for an Emmy, which is so Ooh-hoo. awesome. It's amazing. I mean, as soon as I We're saw gonna that- We're going to build you up before we tear you down. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I watched Daredevil. I'm sure most people watch Daredevil in our listening group. That opening sequence is really iconic. It's it's really cool. So it was like kind of awesome- It is really cool. To have- Doesn't the girl with the dragon tattoo have a similar opening- no, I don't know. I and isn't that it. the same company that did both of those titles? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, A52 didn't do both. Wait, wait. A52. I'm not done. I'm not done oh, introducing okay. Arielle yet. Come on. She keep can't going, talk. Keep she going. can't talk. <laughs> okay. Keep building uh, she, her up. She's also done a really awesome web film for Game of Thrones featuring the creators, David Benioff and Dan Weiss. She also did a behind the scenes featurette about the composer of Creed. I love Creed. And I watched that featurette yesterday. And it was so, so cool. And just hearing it's the so story cool. and hearing the background from the composer. Oh my God. It was amazing. That Game of Thrones web film was so cool too. I was... I was going through all of your work yesterday, Ariel, and I was watching that one, and I was trying to find a a way to turn it off, and I couldn't. I watched it all the way through because it was like kept getting good, kept being good. I guess it kept so good, continually good. Yeah, continually good. No, we don't watch the show. We just watch that. That's all. <laughs> and then lastly, a night, night Owl is a feature film which premiered at South by Southwest in 2015. And I believe Adam Pally is in that. I didn't actually look mm-hmm. it up, but I just remember the clip I watched. I think that was him. Anyways, yep. very cool stuff. So, Ariel, welcome to the podcast. Say hello. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So, I know Ariel because she was the assistant editor on a few projects that I produced at the agency. One of those was that Photoshop 25th anniversary commercial. We became friends through those jobs. And um, in talking to her, I just know that her struggle was very similar to the struggles that we're going through, but on the editing side of things. So I thought she'd be an interesting person to talk to. But I think we kind of came in a little too late because she just got signed as a full-fledged editor at an editorial company. So the struggle's over, right? <laughs> um, I don't know if I'd quite say that. <laughs> <laughs> you made it. No, you made it. You did it. You went for, You went after something and you made it. So that's awesome. That's true. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been great. Where are you working? What is this place? I work at a company called Work Editorial, which is a post-production editing house in Culver City, California. And it's a London-based company that just a year ago opened its LA office for the first time. So I kind of started right as they opened. Nice, their awesome. Doors. And what kind of stuff do they do? Um, primarily commercials. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, nice. Do they do any features or shorts or anything they like have, that? Some of their editors do features, like Neil Smith cuts, um, he cuts Snow White and the Huntsman, and oh, cool. he does feature stuff too. So yeah, they have a couple Does guys. that get routed, like, does that go through the company, or is that just like a side gig? Like he, he cuts that stuff, but has nothing to do with work. Typically, it's a totally separate thing, yeah. Because it'll be at the studio and it's got its own. Right. Like they don't even edit at the same place. They go to the studio. They lock the door and they have like keypads that they have to type in. So people are coming (laughs) and see what they're doing. Watchdog. Type secret. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I have a bunch of questions about like editing, just like craft questions before we jump into your story. Please. So first of all, like as an editor, you rely on footage that's given to you to do your job. What's it like for you to see dailies for the first time? (laughs) It's always (laughs) waiting for that first frame of footage. Like the moment you look at that first frame, you either feel like, oh, this is going to be great. Or, oh, shoot, (laughs) got my work cut out for me. Um, So you actually do care about like the quality of the footage. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, because that. What are you looking for? How do you know it's going to be good? Is it like the quality of the cinematography or is it how it's going to cut together? As far as first frame of what you see, yeah, I think you just are looking for general quality and production value. Um, but then as you as you actually watch through it, you're looking for moments, you know, moments that will work, whether it's emotionally or for the story or visually, things that you know that you'll need later on. Do you look at the footage from like a judgmental eye 
towards the people that made it or just the footage is like <laughs> the footage These is people. just like yeah like do you like oh man the director really fucked this up or are you just being like wow that could be better like in a, just like a general sense like that footage could be better but you're not blaming anybody specifically <laughs> I'm asking because of my own insecurity walking into an edit room I just want to know like what's the editor thinking yeah well when I get footage from you I do I always think that <laughs> you're like oh man oh, well you oh, haven't edited anything no made I don't yet. I don't think that at all I think when I'm looking at something for the first time I try to look at it like as objectively as possible so like I don't like going on set because I don't want to be influenced by what's happening during the production because I don't think that's relevant to what you're actually working with once you start cutting. Um, so when I go through it, I'm just trying to go through it with like an, as much of an open mind as possible. I'm trying to see, okay, this is exactly what I've got to work with. So where can I go from here? Nice. So, no, I try not to think at all. In fact, like I almost prefer to not have too much of a conversation with people involved in the production before I start looking at it, just so I can really look and see, okay, based on this footage that I've been given, what story can we tell from it? So to that point, do you care about like the script or what is the, what is it called? Script notes that you do, Ulrich, as a script supervisor? Oh, yeah. Well, it, that's all kind of based on what the editor wants. So, you know, the oh, different, you talk to the editor yeah, first. so the different projects I have script supervised, like I'll talk to the editor and then they'll tell me what they're looking for. Like, yeah, like we want just circle takes or I want more detail on each shot or whatever, you know, like it'll just be each editor wants something different. But yeah, I would love to hear, Ariel, what, what do you want from a script supervisor, from a script report? I think the script notes are most useful for the assistant editor because they'll reference it in breaking down and loading in the footage. Mm. Um, so when I was assisting, I would always use it to cross-reference to make sure the number of takes that were noted were the same and make sure I wasn't missing anything. That was the biggest mm. thing I used it for. Sometimes right, if right. there were like relevant notes from the director, I'd include those. But for the most part, once it's broken down, like I as the editor now, I don't think I ever look at script notes. Wow, okay. Interesting. <laughs> Not to let's, burst talk your about, let's talk about the difference between an assistant and an editor because most of the people listening to this are independent filmmakers. So we don't have that structure. We just have right. an editor. And typically, let's be honest, most of us are just editing our own stuff. We're not working with editors. So what does an assistant do? In my experience, which is mostly the commercial world, an assistant does everything except for edit is how I like to describe it. Basically supporting the whole editorial process. So assistants are really busy at the beginning of a job. As soon as you get start getting dailies, they'll be loading them in, organizing it, getting everything prepped for the editor to look at, getting... And organizing it based on the editor's needs. Yeah, every editor has kind of slightly different preferences as far as how they like things organized. Um, so once you're familiar with the editor that you work with, it's kind of second nature just as far as how you break it down. Um, and then, you know, a little like getting music, getting sound effects, getting all the things that you think the editor will need in the first couple days of starting to work. And then you get them going and then they'll work for a few days and then the ad agency will come in. And once they come in, then you're kind of, you sort of work as a liaison between them and the editor a little bit. So whenever you, the editor wants to post something, usually the assistant will do that. Or the, the agency will still start needing like, oh, I need a link with this, or I need prep for the sound people, et cetera. And then you're kind of involved so pretty in much that. all the work that the main editor doesn't want to yeah. do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, let's, and do you ever assemble stuff ahead of time before the editor sees it? Sometimes I would. If they needed, yeah, if they're so like, like double booked on jobs, point. yeah, then you yeah. would, you, they start relying more on you for kind of cutting some stuff. And then an assistant also is really busy at the end of a job because then you prep the spot for color and mix and conform. So you get, and you typically go to all those sessions and supervise everything. So you're kind of like watching through the whole process, making sure everyone is happy and everyone's, everything's going okay. If you're assistant editing a feature, would you ever put an assembly edit together, or is that something that you would leave for the editor to do? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't ever assisted <laughs> on a, like, oh, a feature. proper okay. feature. Um, uh, interesting. I think, again, I think it depends 
I think some more senior assistants would be relied on for that. Mm. But it also depends on the editor and their process. So interesting. Okay, so you're you're alone with an edit for a little bit. Wait, wait. Well, before, we, before we get there, I have one more question. Um, oh, okay. This is like pre-project, like the first thing you do, like uh, like before you start editing. Do you ever talk to the director at length about the project, or do you like to not talk to the director before you start working? I'll talk to the director. Yeah, of course. Because at the end of the day, it's it's their vision. Um, what I do though, the, and I don't know if this is right. <laughs> But I'll read a script when someone is like asking me to be involved in a project, obviously, to see if I like it. But then once it's once I get the footage, I try not to read the script because I try to see like based just on the footage that I have, I'll find the story mm. from there. Sometimes if I'm getting confused and like, what is this shot for? Then I'll reference back to the script. But I try to like just <laughs> look at the footage. And and do you start with like a wide shot then, so you can see it all play out? Um, you mean with what I watch? Yeah, because how do you know what the scene's about if they're just like all these pieces, random pieces strewn <laughs> about? How can you? How do you know what piece of dialogue goes into the next piece of dialogue, for instance? Well, in theory, usually I feel like people start out with kind of some sort of wider shot, or they'll run through the whole scene once and before they start going and getting picked. And some sort of master of some kind, whatever it is. I mean, if it's really confusing, obviously I'll reference it. But I feel like if if it really is going to tell the story in the script, then I should be able to gather that just by watching That's where the judgment starts coming in. If you can't figure (laughs) out the story, then you'll be like, wow, this director really screwed up. Got it. That's yeah. pretty much yeah. what happened That's on Spirit Machine. Stuart was just sitting in that room going, what is he doing? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I want to ask, like, you're sitting there alone with the edit, like, the, especially when we're talking about short films, because you've done a lot of short films. Yeah. You're yeah. sitting in the room by yourself. You put stuff together. Another person eventually is going to come into that room, usually the director, maybe a producer, maybe a writer or someone, and they're going to either know more about that story or pretend to know more about that story and I want to know what's that like as an editor like do you feel like you start losing control of your edit as soon as you have other people in the room and is that frustrating? I don't see it as losing control. I mean editing that's kind of the nature of it is that it is a very collaborative Mm -hmm. thing and you like that part of it I love that part of it yeah because if I ever do a cut and they have like no notes on it I feel very out of sorts because I'm like, this can't possibly be the best product. (laughs) So (laughs) you you like like that people kind of push you into places that you wouldn't have thought of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, that's my, one of my favorite parts of filmmaking in general is how collaborative it is. And I think I'll, I'll bring my perspective to it by doing that first cut. And I usually try to do the first cut, like assemble a complete cut on my own without people's Mm. input, just so I can see like, this is what I my first instinct, roughly, it's usually not too polished, but roughly this is where I feel like yeah. it's headed. And that's and when then, the filmmaker freaks and the out and he's like, no, it's not good <laughs> enough yet. Wait, what's going on? This is completely <laughs> yeah. different than what I imagined it. What did you do? You didn't take any of my notes. Exactly. <laughs> then they fire me and it's a whole thing. No. But they start coming in and then, and then usually they're like, okay, like, that's a good start. Now let's start working through it. So then we'll work through you know, scene by scene, work through it together and kind of get it into a place that that we both feel good about and try things and push each other and offer ideas. And we'll try stuff that doesn't work all the time. But I think it's always worth trying things because you really never know. I guess what defines like the style of any particular editor? Like what, what does it come down to? And what should people be looking for in an editor? In an editor, you need to find someone whose sensibilities you trust, but who is also open to working with you that you can work with well that you can throw ideas at each other and discuss them and try things without judgment (laughs) and feel good about it i think that it's important too, like personality wise to find someone that you can work Mm -hmm. well with because you have to sit in a room alone with them for days and days and days so you have to you have to get along with them and yeah i think just just finding someone who who you trust but who also you can so work how do you find well. that person if you've never worked with them before and all you have to base things off of is like they're real 
maybe you've had a, like a quick phone conversation. Is there anything that we can do as filmmakers to like sit down with an editor and like really figure that out before we dive into month long, months long, maybe year long process with them? Or are we just fucked and we just have to do Ooh. it? <laughs> I mean, part of it is you just have to try it out. Ideally, you, the first time you work with an editor isn't going to be a year long project. It'll be a shorter project <laughs> that you can kind of test each right, other out. Right. Um, I guess having a conversation with them, kind of getting to know them a little bit to see how you guys mesh, looking at the real, I guess you could see like if they've worked on projects that are of similar tone or style to what you're Mm -hmm. working on. Um, So you know at least they have some background in that area. But that doesn't mean that someone who hasn't done that kind of thing. You you need to like the same kinds of movies. Like I know you don't cut horror movies, but let's say that you really wanted to. How would I know, like, oh, well, Ariel's going to do great at horror movies. But I don't know, because she doesn't have anything on her reel. Is it just... She'll just yeah. pitch it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you'd have to... You could either trust me saying that I could do it, or you I know, could not such a, and go such with a someone else. What I think is so interesting about what you just said, though, is that if she really wanted to do a horror movie, she would probably, like, ha- with her experience as an editor, she'd probably have, like, uh, a, some sort of concept or some sort of something that she was looking to do in horror that she saw within the project that you were trying to do. You know, and then it, it, over that coffee meeting or lunch or whatever it is, she'd probably com- be able to try to convince you that she's the right person for it, you know? Right. She'd I don't like, know. I love these movies. I haven't had an opportunity to edit a horror movie, but I love these movies because of these things. And I think it'd be amazing to do something like that with yours. I read your script. It's amazing. Right. I think too, with, with the stylistic thing, I wouldn't take that too much to heart because I think that there are plenty of people who, even if they haven't worked on a specific genre, would be more than capable of doing it. You know, it's just they haven't had the opportunity yeah to do right it yet. exactly um personality is a big part of like finding an editor that that you'll work well with yeah so getting uh, getting to know th- know them as much as possible and I don't know, <laughs> yeah it's you trust to. you know what i mean like how do you right. trust anyone right. that you hire it's hard. <laughs> you yeah to, you have to build it a lot of times you feel you know like right off the bat you'll hit it off or, or have a conversation about story and see See where how you both react to yeah, it. Yeah, that's know? a good one. Like, do you have the, the same instincts, or do you go in completely different? Don't directions? you think that like so many filmmakers have their go to editor? I feel like I always see like any filmmaker that you respect and admire usually works with the same editor for every movie. Absolutely, as they because <laughs> once you find, I think once you find that partnership, why stray from yeah. it? You know, I think it's it's hard, or it takes time to find that person that. That you can really trust with your movie. I mean, editing is such it's such a big, important part of making your oh, movie. Yeah. And you spend, you know, you can spend months or over a year with, with this one person working on it. And so I think when directors find their editor, that they, they, they don't they like go, oh, yeah. Forever, you know? <laughs> I think too, editing is <laughs> It's a place where directors are very vulnerable at times too, because you're sitting there watching every frame that they did, you know, aware of every flaw. They they feel vulnerable, and I think you need to find an editor that that makes you feel safe and is like, okay, like don't worry, we can make this work. Yeah, I was gonna ask, like at the you're you always come in at the end of the process, and what yeah. is the state of the director typically? <laughs> like that first um, day are they depends. optimistic and then it just gets eroded or do they come in like and exhausted and like beat up <laughs> and like they hate their life yeah like that kind of thing typically yeah there's a lot of oh man like i've made this mistake this mistake this is terrible blah blah and you're like don't worry it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine <laughs> you make the first cut and then usually when you show them the first cut they're like oh, okay it'll be okay <laughs> <laughs> and then you go from it's there fine. <laughs> but yeah Usually, because it's like the last day of the shoot, usually there's a little bit of stress. Regret. Feeling frazzled that comes from their end. And it's my job to... So I'm asking for a friend of mine. He's he's, uh, working on a film and he has another editor working on it, but he's used to editing his own stuff. He's not getting what he wants from the editor and his instinct is to take the edit back. Wait, are you talking about me? (laughs) 
Yeah, my friend, Ulrich. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, I'm going through this problem right now. <laughs> what, what, what's your advice to Ulrich? Because he, he, he's used to editing his own projects, and right now he's having somebody work on, on this short film for him, and he's not getting what mm-hmm. he wants, and so he's thinking about taking it back and trying it himself to get what he wants. Well, why did you hire an editor for this job? Well, because I I wanted someone else to sort of bring their, you know, creativity to it, you know. And and it's interesting because he did make some um, changes to the very beginning first half of the of the short that I didn't think of. And I that that we like somehow we shot these things and I didn't even realize it, I guess, or I don't know, or maybe he did it. (laughs) You shot stuff and you didn't realize it? I don't know. Like there's this moment in there that I, maybe I forgot about, or maybe he, (laughs) he somehow replicated it uh, or created it using um, pushing in and moving the camera. But it's this really brilliant moment and it wasn't in there in my first cut and he put it in and I'm like, oh my God, that's great. But it's like, that is an amazing thing. But then there's other things that just aren't working later on so it's sort of like he's gotten into a really good place that i'm like really happy with but it's like there's just a couple things that i just feel like like i keep on saying this is a this thing needs to be fixed this thing needs to be changed like let's try something new here and like either everything he tries doesn't work or he doesn't necessarily try something that different on each time that he goes through you know um so i feel like i'm saying like giving similar notes each each pass but then it's not really getting fixed you know or not or not fixed but addressed i should say i did get just i guess gave him another huge like thing of notes um over the weekend and i just heard back from him yesterday and he said that you know i was like hey i could take it back from you if you want like i could go back you know <laughs> like and he's like no 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 i want to finish it i want to edit it i love your notes your notes are good i'm gonna work on it this week i'll have a new cut for you so hopefully that works out i guess i guess it's just Sometimes it's you feel like I try to communicate what I want to somebody and then it's not happening the way I want it to. It's just like, well, I can just do it maybe or I can just try it. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe what I want won't even work, but I want to at least see for myself. But maybe I should just edit with him. I don't know. I'm not, I, this is all remote. I haven't been sitting in the room with him at all. So I think that's probably part of the issue too, right? That was going to be the first thing I was going to say is you should sit with him. If yeah, you exactly. And work with right. him because it makes a big difference when you're in the room together. And then and then it's not so much like do this note that I'm telling you to do, but it's like let's try this together and see right. if it works. Right. You know, and you can be more specific about what you want with with the Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. You know, and it's it, it's just it's a timing thing. And like I've worked with him before. Like he he did the score, the not the score, the sound design on my first short film, and I really love the way he did the sound design and we worked closely together on that sitting in the room and stuff. And he and he helped me. He did some like editing consulting at the very end and like urged me to make some cuts near the end of the process after like we'd picture locked and I went back and I did and I re re edited it and it made it way better. I just need to either sit with him, put some more time to it. But it's the problem is that we're both so busy. Like I've been working like, you know, eight hours a day, like three or four days a week. And like he's got lots of other things going on. It's just it's really hard to sync up, you know, um, got to make the time. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think you got to be in the room with him. Um, anyways, so, I, because clearly you you trust like he's capable. He's proven. Oh, he's capable oh yeah. In the past. So it's just a matter of communication and and sitting together, yeah. taking the time. So one last question before we go into your story, and we I obviously have so many questions. This is like the best part about having a friend <laughs> on the podcast is I can I can <laughs> ask you, know. you like so many questions <laughs> that I probably wouldn't normally ask you, and you're trapped and you have to answer them. This is great. Yeah, so. I know. It's dangerous. <laughs> so you saw Over My Dead Body early on while Ulrich and I were editing. Oh, Because um, oh. we were editing at the same time we were doing the Photoshop 25th anniversary. And this is not a, tra- yeah. this is not a trap question. I'm not trying to get you to talk shit. <laughs> I but, like where but, this is going. <laughs> but using that as an example, what do you think is the danger of a filmmaker editing his or her own film if you want to use this as our movie as an example that's okay because we made the conscious choice to edit it ourselves because we just wanted the challenge of it but we could have just as easily used an editor you and grant gave us notes which was awesome and there's things that you pointed out that we just never would have thought of so like are there like common mistakes you see that filmmakers make when they edit their own films and and reasons they shouldn't do it or do you encourage it (laughs) (laughs) as an editor um, 
I always think that it's better to bring an editor who is not the director to work on it. I think that when, you, as a director, you're just so close to it that, like I was talking about before, being able to look at the footage and see, not based on what you've been planning for months and not based on what went well on set, but based on the footage that you have right there in front of you, what is the best story you can tell? And I think if you've been working on it for months, for years, however long, it's almost impossible to do that. Directors are trying, or they can, get stuck in this thing where they're using the footage that they have in front of them to build this story based on an idea that they had developed you know, years earlier, trying to make it match that rather than trying to make it the best it can be based oh, on what yeah. they Oh yeah, I'm totally got. guilty of that because yeah. while I'm on set, I'm building the edit in my head and I'm like, this shot goes into right. this shot, goes into this shot, and then... Which is yeah. good. You should be doing that. You know, but that's then helpful. when I edit it together, but it doesn't think, work. And then I'm like, shit, now right. what do and I then, do? And you're stuck. Yeah, you're stuck with that because that's what you've planned. And I think bringing an editor in just lets go of that. You know, It allows you, someone else, to look at it, see, like, based on what I've got, this makes the most sense, this is working the best. And then you can sit down together and try to you know, incorporate more of your ideas or what you had planned if it doesn't yeah. match. Well, what usually what happens is you walk out. into the edit room and it doesn't match what you thought of because the editor doesn't right. know. You're so like, then you ask them this? to build what you had in your head. <laughs> and then you see either it's and better then... <laughs> than what the editor came up with or it doesn't work. And then you go back to right. what the editor did. Usually it ends up being you know, a mixture. Well, right? let's be honest. Usually it just goes back to the first cut you ever did. It just takes <laughs> a long time to get there. Like the, the director <laughs> yeah. has to convince him or herself that all the changes they made aren't adding up to anything. And the, let's go back and see the original cut you did. Like, yeah, that's better. <laughs> or usually, no, they'll just be like, oh, what if, what if we tried this, which is what you did originally? And you're like, okay. And they're like, yeah, oh, that's, that's so great. Funny. <laughs> you got to be like, yeah, yeah good a idea. really good one there. <laughs> that's yeah. funny. All right. That, those are all my questions yeah. for, for editing. Should we jump into who Ariel is? Absolutely. I don't know who she is either. I don't know anything. I'm still figuring it out. Let's be honest. Well, you you see on our sheet here, we have a bunch of questions for you, like getting to know you. I feel like, especially since you rehearsed this, you could just (laughs) wait, wait, wait. Whoa, let's not call her out here. That's not that's not fair. I reviewed your questions as can you can you just go through and answer these questions? Like, give us like a five minute summary of like where you grew up. Did you always want to be an editor? Did you go to school for editing? How did you get your first job? Sure. All that kind of stuff. And just like lead us lead us from the moment you were born to this moment in time being on the podcast in wow. five minutes. In yeah, five and we'll minutes? stop you along the way <laughs> if there's something that we want to ask you or clarify. <laughs> I grew up in Los Angeles for the most part, which I've learned is actually sort of rare for people working in film. A lot of people are surprised when I'm like, yeah, I'm from LA. Technically born in New York, but lived here since I was six. So the formative years all spent in Los Angeles. Living in LA definitely influenced me and wanting to work in film. I think I was always a very, like growing up, very creative and very much into storytelling and reading and theater and all sorts of- How did that manifest itself? Did you, were you like drawing all the time or you, you said reading, like what were some of the books that you were reading? Oh gosh, I read, I just read all the time, <laughs> like always in the library, always reading. Were you creating um, anything or just ingesting? Mostly when I was younger, it was, it was ingesting. I mean, I would all, I was very into like playing pretend and, you know, telling stories in a very amateur way, in a very <laughs> childlike way, obviously, as a kid. And one thing that I actually now have looked back and realized about myself is that I really was into puzzles, which I think is, is really interesting, interesting now mm-hmm. doing editing, right. because I think that kind of is what editing is. Um, I also think, like, I, I had very much this creative art side, but I was also more so like a math science person growing up. And so I think I've always kind of had those two sides, like the more scientific technical side and then the more emotional story driven side i mean if i boil editing down i think it is it's 50 50 that you know it's like a very technical thing but it's also a very emotional thing and so i think it's interesting that looking back now i i kind of always had both of those things in me 
but yeah, I think living living in LA did influence me. I started interning very young. I didn't always know I wanted to edit. <laughs> to answer that question, I don't think I even knew what editing was until like late in high school. And I don't think most people know what it <laughs> right. is, even now. So what was um, the internships that you did, and what age did you start? Oh, and wait, another question so my, is, like, what... <laughs> we'll what, just keep piling them on. What was the, like, before you knew you wanted to be an editor, like, what was the dream? Um, I don't know. I jumped around a lot. I think for a while I, I wanted to do theater because in high school, that was my main creative outlet. And so I was like, oh, this is great. I love telling a story in this way, this must be what I want to do before I knew much about film or editing. You know, I think you kind of latch on to, oh, I like this about this thing. So that must be what what I want to do. But then you, you develop and you learn about other things. My first internship, I was 16 and I interned at Fox wow. Studios. And looking back, I had no idea what I wow. was doing at all. I was working two different departments but one of them was like the main development department with like the president of fox and i was reading scripts and writing i like truly looking back i don't know why they even left me in the tour did you know someone like did, was it like friends of friends parents like how did you get in there no i i think they like advertised about it at my high school which is weird because it's not a high school right. that is so weird and then i applied uh, so this is the benefit of and, growing up in la yeah absolutely yeah you just like are exposed to these things. Anyway, I found myself there <laughs> for a summer and was very in over my head, but just kind of went with it and learned about pre-production and learned that I probably didn't want to do that. <laughs> I think another year, another year I interned at a very, very tiny editing company. And that's where I learned kind of what editing was. They like put me in a room with a computer that had Final Cut Pro on it. And they like sort of told me what it did and I kind of just figured it out. And that's where I learned like, oh, this is editing. And after that summer, I was like, that was cool. I liked that. <laughs> so basically what, what doing, starting this really young allowed me to kind of just try things out and figure out. So by the time I went to college, I sort of knew, okay, like I think editing is what I want to focus nice. on. Um, but obviously not everyone has the luxury of, of trying a bunch of, yeah. Being able to do that. That's well, just how I, I had the same experience, exposed. but I feel like my ex my experience wasn't through like practical internships, but it was just done at film school. So I would take a bunch of classes. I would take a sound class, an sure. editing class, a screenwriting yeah. class, a directing class, cinematography class. And then it was just up to me to decide like, well, which one do I feel like I like the best and I'm best suited for? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important before you decide what exactly you want to do to try everything. Well, it's, yeah, because the first classes at film school, the teacher would always be like, all right, how many of you want to be directors? And then you'd look around the room and everyone had their hand raised. And then he's like, all right, right the people that course. didn't raise your hand, what do you want to do? And he pointed to me because I didn't have my hand raised at this time. This is not the first class of the first day. This was like a few years into film school and I had given up on film. And I was <laughs> like, um, oh, God. I want to be a novelist. I want to write the great American novel. And he's like, you're going to be the first one to make a movie. <laughs> yeah, and I don't really? know why he said that. I don't know what that story is, but it's kind of funny. I guess it's like the people that really want to to make films are going to either like figure out that they can't, and it's the people that don't really... I don't know. I don't know. what it, What is that? What does that mean? What does that mean that I'm going to be the first one to make a movie because I don't want to make a movie at that while I'm at film school? I don't know. That's a weird... I think it's a weird professor. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, it's also interesting for someone in film school to say that they want to do something I know. That it's so film. weird. Like, why did you say oh, that? Oh, why did I say <laughs> why that? Why were you Because I, <laughs> I was like maybe three years into the program and I was so frustrated because... Every time I went to make a movie, no one would help me. I just I wasn't the popular kid in class. And so you'd have like, let's say 20 people in class. All 20 people have to make their own movie. Usually about four or five of them would group off and they would all help each other out. And they would they would do like each one of the each other's movies taken on different roles. They That would happen around the class. And then somehow I would be stuck by myself. So I'd have to write, produce, direct, edit, and sometimes even act in my own film. 
and I was so frustrated because I was I was constantly up against the boundary of like my own skills. I was I was constantly being exposed to where my own limitations were, and I knew that the only way I was going to get past that was to work with other people, but no one would work with me, and so I was like, "Fuck this collaboration stuff." collaboration sucks yeah i'm just gonna do something that i can do alone in a room and you know what that is writing writing's amazing because all i need is a piece of paper and a pen and my own brain i don't have to rely on anyone else and it's free movies cost money yep that's true so i didn't actually start liking making movies again until after i graduated college and then found people that were willing to work with me Mm. Well, um, getting back to no, uh, let's talk about me more. No, no, I well, I love talking <laughs> about you, Timothy. It's great. I would I would love to talk about me. That would be fun too. But we have Ariel here, here, um, and uh, but that experience probably shaped who you are yeah. now. You know, and now you have a different approach to yeah, making. Totally. Or maybe you're the only one that stuck with it because you knew how hard. Yeah, it was. maybe. And I, I'm so curious to know if I was the first person to make a movie out of uh, in my class but did he mean feature or did he mean just yeah i don't know if if it's feature i obviously haven't done that yet but right i still could i still could be the first one if i do my feature then i still could be the first one yeah interesting okay so back to ariel's story you yeah so yeah so are we at the college point i went to yeah so i went to usc went to the film why did you choose there? USC? Yeah. I, it's funny. I almost didn't. I really wanted, I mean, growing up in LA, I wanted to leave for college because I knew I'd probably be back. But by that point, I, I knew that I probably would end up doing something in film. And so I was like, why would I leave? Because I feel like I'd get more exposure and more opportunities if I was here right. during college, which ended up being very right. true. What about UCLA? Um, so I ended up, I don't know if I got into UCLA. <laughs> I think I applied, I was applying to theater programs. Uh, so I wasn't necessarily applying to oh, film okay. stuff at that point. Gotcha. Um, but then once I got to USC, I very quickly realized <laughs> that that's what I wanted nice. to do. Um, and I didn't study editing in school program that people talk about with USC film schools, the production track. But I knew at that point that I wanted to, to cut. And so... I was like, I don't really want to learn how to set up lights or do any of those other things because I don't really care. So I majored, it was called critical studies, but it was more watching movies and talking Mm. about them and studying them because I felt like I could most benefit from just learning more about storytelling than I could about the technical sides. So I didn't, I think I took one editing class the whole time I was there, but it was sort of always. Did they, do they not have a post-production um, focus there, or? I think if you did the production track, you could sort of focus on mm. post, but you still had to like direct a bunch uh, okay. of things. Honestly, the biggest thing that I talk, that I took away from film school was the people that I met. Mm. I wouldn't say that anything. I mean, I loved the education that I got there, and I took a lot of really interesting classes um, that I'm sure did affect me in ways that I'm not even aware of. But the, the most obvious benefit of going there was just meeting all these people that I work with now and that I will work with in the future. So that, that too was a big benefit of going to school in LA is that a lot of the people who were my classmates all stayed in LA because they wanted to keep doing film stuff. So everyone's still here and everyone's kind of working together and figuring that's it out. That's how you got that, that, so that uh, behind the scenes nice. Creed job, right? Yeah, so that was a friend of mine all USC people referred me to this producer who worked on on that project and reached out to me and was like, oh, I heard about you from here. And another thing that I think really helped me is that because I knew, because I figured it all out kind of earlier than most people do, like the last couple years of college, I knew very much that I wanted to cut, and so that's kind of how I like marketed myself to people. So a lot of people upon graduating knew, they're like, oh, Ariel, she edits, which helped because then, you know, that reputation kept going even after, and people would hear about me that I didn't even know 
just because I kind of did a good job at like telling a lot of people that that's what yeah. I wanted to mm, do. Cool. We always say, Ulrich and I always say, tell people what you want to do. Right. right. You want to edit, yeah, just tell people you want to know. Edit. Yeah. You direct, tell people yeah. you want to direct. Don't be shy. You don't say it. No <laughs> one's going to know. No one's going to read your mind. Especially in this industry where you just have no idea where something will lead, yeah. you know, like any person you meet, you've no idea how they'll affect you. So the more people you tell, the more people, the more times you put it out in the world, the better are your chances, yeah. I think. So, so, now, so you, I know you don't have any point of reference for this, but do you feel like being in LA is important for anyone that wants to be in the film industry? Or do you think, I guess it's for an editor, it's probably more important than other disciplines, right? Um, I think it helps. It helps. I mean, the more people you can be around doing, you know, working in the industry, the better. You know, the more people you're meeting, the more projects you get exposed to. Yeah. Um, is it essential? I don't think it's essential, but I think it helps. Yeah. But I don't. Yeah. I mean, I can only speak on my experience. So you graduated college and then how did you go about looking for a job and was your first job in editing? So I kind of gradually transitioned from school to work in a way that I think I was a little bit lucky to find. But and you're hanging I out at your parents' started... pool for a few months, <laughs> maybe a year. <laughs> kind of the opposite, <laughs> okay. actually. I um, I started interning at a different commercial post house called Rock Paper Scissors when I was a junior in mm. college. And I interned there for a semester. And then that summer, I still had a year of school left, but I I somehow convinced them to hire me <laughs> as like a junior assistant, <laughs> which looking back was a very impressive <laughs> feat. But at the time, I think part of like being, in, being a student and being a little bit naive can sometimes work right, in your right. favor. Um, so I, I like convinced them really to hire me. And I worked that whole summer back with all the assistants just like helping everyone out and then my last my senior year of college continued to work there so I had my first semester I still had a bunch of classes so I was only working there two days a week but then my last semester I only had one class left so I I was pretty much working there four and a half out of five days a week so by the time I officially graduated in May it was like a very easy transition and they hired me as as a staff assistant. I mean, I keep saying I got lucky, but I mean, I also put myself in that position, you know, where I, I had worked there at that point. How did you get the internship at RPS to begin with? Someone that I knew, knew the EP there, not an industry person. It was like a, a personal connection and they didn't even really know what RPS was. They were just like, oh, like, I think it, they do editing. You, like, you'd want so to do editing. So this came out of meet. you saying, I want to be an editor. And this person says, yeah, I have some, like, tangential relationship to, I think, an editing place. Exactly. So it's not like you had your <laughs> so, eyes set on RPS, which is a pretty well-known. No. In the commercial industry, it's really well-known edit yeah, house. Wow. It's one of the biggest. And, like, the two of the editors that the, the editors that work with David Fincher on, like, Girl the Dragon Tattoo and where are the other ones? Social network, network, like they all, they, they're editors there. Wow. Fancy. <laughs> um, Very fancy. Real big time. So I went and met with the EP there and with Angus Wall, who's the owner. Basically, they were like, we don't, have, like, we don't have an internship program. I was like, that's totally fine. <laughs> Just like, let me sit there and learn and I won't bother anyone, I promise. And they were like, fine. I, looking back, I like did a lot of convincing of people to let me just do things that now at this point, I don't know if I'd have the balls to, to yeah. fight for, but I'm glad I did. When you're young, you can just do things and you just, you know, without the knowledge and like the pressure, you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to yeah. ask what, 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 what could harm? Like what could hurt? You know? Why yeah. not? Why not? And usually, usually it pays off, so let, honestly. Let's get into be. some of the struggle. And I know you're not right now going through this struggle but try to put yourself back in the mindset of like being an assistant editor and wanting to be a full-time editor and feeling a little trapped like how long were you an assistant editor at rps i was an assistant for total a little over five Holy years crap. wow that's a long time and at what it's actually but not. at what point in that process <laughs> were you just like 
why is my career not progressing? Like when I was starting out, when I was interning, and then when I was first starting to work, assistic was very exciting. It's like, oh my god, everything's new. Everything's you know, you're learning. You're you're working with all these really great editors. The point that I started to really be ready for the next step was when I got bored of assisting, when I knew everything about it, and so nothing was challenging yeah. anymore. Like every problem that came to me, I could do, and I was like, I'm ready. <laughs> I know, I've mastered this. <laughs> What's next? Um, and another thing that I that I did, kind of all along, was that, and this is a really big thing for me that I really believe is important, is that um, even while I was assisting, I was still cutting as much as right. possible. Right. At this point, at that point, it was mostly like for people, for USC people, or for you know friends of friends, or short films it was web series it was so all like that. at the time like, of that photoshop much... project that we worked on how many side projects were you also working on at the same time <laughs> probably three wow. i mean i i really <laughs> was into it like i really piled them on so you just edited everything you could get your hands on like any short film any everything. web series anything anybody you yeah. you heard it from was like trying to trying to get done you're like yeah i'll do it yeah i'll, I'll squeeze it in like that kind of thing wow. absolutely that was like, for me, it was my one of my biggest things and one of the things that I really firmly believe helped me get to where I am as quickly as I did is that I did that as much as I could. I would say yes, really, I would, like, for, for years, I kind of didn't have much of a, a life. Like, I just knew, I was like, there's nothing that I want more than to edit, and so I'm going to do it as much as I possibly can to make that goal happen. So I would take on as much as I could and work I'd come in and work before work. I'd stay after work. I'd work on weekends as much, you know, really as much as you could because the more, I mean, I just wanted to get better. And so the only real way to get better is to keep making things. So do you yeah. apologize now to the first filmmakers that you you cut their stuff that probably wasn't as good as it could have been? <laughs> or are you the ultimate perfectionist and it was all awesome, everything? <laughs> I think... I mean, I think we were we're all learning, you know. So the people whose stuff I was working on then, some of them I'm still working with now, and we both look back and we're like, well, clearly we've gotten better. <laughs> but I think you can only get better if you keep making things, mm. you know. That's not like, the I way I feel. To. I feel like everything should be perfect the first time, <laughs> and if it's not perfect, then why even but bother? But it can I know. be. It's it's well, stupid. You, you got to learn at some point, you know. <laughs> like that's that's. I, oh, go ahead. No, no, I I just I'm. Personally, I'm a really big believer in like, you really can't get better unless you're making things, yeah. you know? The more that you can make and work on, the the better you'll be, because the more practice you Yeah, have. we did an early episode about the 10,000 hour rule that we, we yeah. really believe that you have to put in that much time, like 10 years or 10,000 hours. Sounds like you squeeze it all into five years. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But that, I mean, as an assistant, I think it's a really good thing because I think it gives you a creative outlet so you're not just doing all these, you know, technical, less creative things that come with assisting, but you're you're getting to do that, and you're around all these people editing and or learning about how they edit, watching them cut. You can pick up on things and like incorporate it right away or try it out right away and whatever. So you're while you were on. cutting all the stuff on the side, are you showing it to people at RPS also? Like, are you showing it to Angus? <laughs> you're like Angus, what do you think not of to this? Angus, uh, no. <laughs> what do you think of the short film? I, I did? would show. I mean, one the the very beginning, I was really just learning, you know. But a few years in, yeah, I would show it. I mean, Grant is the editor that I worked mostly with at at RPS, and I'd show stuff to him and get his notes for sure. So I want to hear about okay. So you've you've transitioned over to being a full time editor. Like, what is like the struggle now? Like, because like we said in the beginning, it seems like yeah, you're you're there, you're 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 doing your you're living your dream. Like, what challenges are you struggling with as a as an editor trying to edit features? I think it's funny because you you set this goal right. You're like, I want to be an editor, a full time editor, and then. <laughs> That's pretty much in my head what I've been working towards the past five, six years, whatnot. And then you get to that point where you're, you realize you're like, hey, I'm not assisting anymore. I'm only cutting. But it doesn't feel like 
great, that's done. <laughs> Finished. <laughs> what else do I want to do in mountain. life? Woo. You know, it's very much, especially, you know, in film, it's such a creative thing. It's such a journey, you know, like you're, you can constantly, constantly be pushing yourself to work on, on better projects or, or more challenging projects or things that inspire you in different ways. Um, I think the challenge now is to keep doing that. Mm. I mean, yes, I'm cutting, but I think there's still quite a journey to go as far as people that I'm working with and the projects I'm working on. And right now I'm, I'm working in the commercial world and I've been, you know, this whole time working simultaneously on narrative things. So I've worked on a couple of features and dozens and dozens of short films, which I'll continue to do both. They can inform each other and help each other. And I think just creatively, it's nice to have both to balance out. So the challenge, I guess, is is continuing that journey. You know, like how can I keep working on on both and finding new ways? How, do, how can I keep getting better? How can I keep meeting new people and working on different kinds of projects? Um, what is the goal, though? Kind of like, what's your ultimate like? It, like, if you could like like put into like a sentence, like, what would you want your career to look like, or your like, would you want to only be editing features, like by paid? Like, is that what you do, like ninety, like hundred percent of your time, or do you like working on both things and mixing it up? Like, what what do you? Or is are you just now you've reached your goal, and there is not there is no ultimate goal. Just, just to keep to keep going. I think that's what, what more what it is, right? I definitely want to continue both. They're so different. I mean, at the end of the day, they aren't that different. <laughs> <laughs> like at the end of the day, it's it's cutting to tell stories, right? Whether that story is thirty seconds or whether it's two hours, at the end of the day, it's the same thing. But you can approach them really differently, and I think that that it it helps to have both because I think if you just work on features and again, this is me kind of (laughs) thinking about things more than actually speaking from experience. But I think if you're working the feature is more like a marathon, it's months and months and months, if not over a year of working on telling this very long story. And I, and then commercials you spend, you know, two weeks or three, you know, it's a very quick process and you're telling the story in a different way. And I think being able to bounce from one to the other will help keep you mm. sharp. I think if, if you're working on features constantly, like it's hard, you know, it's hard to keep that kind of pace going for that long. And I think getting to do a movie for a year and then jump and do commercials for a year and kind of get back to that a little bit quicker pace working with a bunch of different people, like moving faster and then go back to features. Like that's kind of a nice, it's a nice pairing. So what happens in your current position when you feel like you've conquered everything again? Or like when you were the assistant editor and you're like, yeah, I can solve every problem. I've done it all. This is boring. How do you, what's the next step for you? Is there a next step? Yeah, when you get bored of editing. Or bored of editing commercials, I guess, at your company or whatever. It could be either commercials, features, or both. Is that is that a fear? Is it a fear? At this point, no, because I feel like I've spent the last <laughs> significant number of years of my life working <laughs> okay. towards this, so I'm not really like worried about it. <laughs> you're just Boring you're just loving it. You're like <laughs> okay. you're living it. You know, living the dream. Um, I think. I don't know. I mean, I really have zero desire to direct, but I feel like if I really got to a point where editing was boring, then I'd need to find something else, create it. You know, some, it'd probably be something else. That's in the interesting. Film world I've to actually, try out. there's a few editors that seem to have gone in the direction, direction, the directing direction. <laughs> direction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that- is it right now? Are there opportunities that you wish that you had that you're not getting? And what are those, and how do you think you can get them? With yeah, like, all right, like, do you want to? This is like a stupid example, but the only okay. Now I have one, especially for you. Uh, if there is a new Harry Potter movie, like, would you like to <laughs> edit that? 
Yeah. I okay. So say how no. do you get to the point where you can edit something like Harry Potter? I mean, that's a high profile movie. And if you are interested in doing that, how do you get from where you are now to that point? You just keep going. I mean, the same way that working on all those projects as an assistant got, you know, helped get me to be an editor. I think the more projects you can work on, the closer you get to something like that. And I think what's interesting about the commercial world, in film school, no one talks about the commercial world. <laughs> I, I want to like, make well, a we point look about down this. on it. Like no one, no one ever says anything about it. To the point where like when I started working at RPS, I had, I knew nothing about that world. It can actually be a really valuable world for people interested in film. Why? Because, Why? because you're working <laughs> on things at a very quick yeah. pace. And you learn a lot really quickly. Yeah, but it's quickly. selling out. And <laughs> you're meeting so many creative people. That actually is my favorite part about the advertising world. You, you, or at least for me, like I'm sitting with these people all day, every day for weeks, and you really get to know all these different people. And a lot of a lot of people in advertising do also want to work on film projects. And I think the more creative people you can meet and work with the better it helps your chances that one day you'll work on a movie. Uh, your positivity you know? makes me sick. Well, one, one question, <laughs> Ariel, and this is hypothetical. So like you're, you're at this company, you're a full-time editor doing com- commercial editing. What if like tomorrow some magical dream project landed in your lap? Like, like a director, you know, got a job, like a chance to direct some, like, you know, whatever big Let's movie. Let's just say it's Timothy Plain. Timothy Plain's directing <laughs> the next like Harry Potter. Yeah. Wow. Harry Potter. And, and he, he wants, wants you, to work with you. Yeah. How, how do you do? Do you have to quit your job? Will they like let you take time off? Like, how does that work? Normally with the editors, because a lot of commercial editors do also do feature work. You kind of like put it on pause a little bit. It helps once your commercial career is like really going too, because then it's not like people are going to forget about you. When the right. Because what happens is gone. as a producer, I call work and I say, hey, is Ariel available for this commercial job? And they go, oh, she's booked on a feature right now. And so then I right. then, then forget I forget about, about her. If she, she's not available <laughs> for like the next three projects that I'm trying to get her on, then I might just move on to another editor and build a relationship with somebody else. Mm. Okay. Right. So you that's why like you have to really make sure it's worth it, you know? Like, you should leave and do a feature if it really is, like... Like, I couldn't not do this movie, Right, exactly. You know? um, but, yeah, normally normally they leave, you know, go cut the movie at the studio for however long it is, and then come back. Have you have you turned down um, feature opportunities? Yep. And and yeah. what 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 makes you decide to turn down a feature? Or what have... Why, why, some of, what are some of the reasons why you've turned down features in the past? A feature is a big commitment. I would only want to commit to working on one if it was something that I was like, I cared a lot about. That whether it was the director or the the story, really. I mean, at the end of the day, that's kind of all that mm. matters. But um, if it was something that I read and I was like, oh my God, this story is amazing. I have to be a part of telling this so story. So it starts with the script then. Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah, everything starts with the so. script. It seems it's just like yeah. At the end of the day, because <laughs> you're putting every re- resource you have and all of your energy into telling a story. I mean, that's what film is. And so, if that, if you don't believe in that, then like you're just gonna be wasting your time. So, does it if if like even if the pay is good, it doesn't matter. It's like you're not gonna commit to something that you don't believe in, no matter what the, the, <laughs> the paycheck pay is. Good on a feature. <laughs> no, don't make I'm, just, me laugh. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing out that question. <laughs> Pay is like one of the last things that I uh, look at, but I also have, you know, a commercial job that allows me to not worry so right. much about that in as far as like the side project or the narrative things that I take on. I mean, short films, I'll, I do constantly because that's easy. It's like, oh, okay, it'll take, you know, a month or whatnot. If it's a new director, I try to always do stuff for people that I haven't worked with before because it's just good to meet new people and work mm-hmm. with new people. Or if it's someone I have worked with a lot before and they're like, hey, I have another project that I'll try to do that for them, too. But a feature, you only want to do a feature if you I mean, if you believe right. in it, you know, because that's like a year of your life. Well, one last question. Um, this is back to shorts. Out of all the shorts you've done, like how many of them have you gotten paid for? 
Like 50%, 100%? My earlier years, I would do stuff for free constantly. Now, it's tough. <laughs> I try I try to not do stuff for free, just more so not because of the money as much as like just feeling like there should be some acknowledgement of all the work that <laughs> right, I'm putting right. in. You're not that desperate um, anymore. <laughs> so I try to not anymore i'd say probably less than yeah and how many have i like gotten paid for what i should have gotten paid for probably right of course yeah and in a short it's like almost (laughs) impossible like i i mean i I just produced something in june and we hired an editor to work on it like for 10 like it was like a rush job like it needed to be done i think he had like eight days to edit it and uh we paid him like almost nothing but like it was like the fact that I could just get him anything was like enough to like sort of make him feel like he was, you know, you know, respected. And then the fact that it had a, a deadline, it was like, oh, I won't be working on this for months and months and months. It'll be over and I can go on and move on with my life. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, short filmmaking, man, it's tough. I just love to hear about it because like, you know, I think sometimes a, it, it it's sort of mind blowing to me that short films have the budgets they have because... You know, like I can barely scrounge together $2,000 to make a whole movie, you know, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. and like to, to, and like an editor is probably worth like, you know, like at least half that at a major, major discount, you know, but you can't, you can't, po- if you only have $2,000 to make a short film, you can't possibly pay an editor $1,000 of it. It's just like, it's just, right. it just wouldn't make sense. So I don't know. It's just, it's, it's yeah. like a really tough, it's a tough thing, you know. Shorts are interesting. <laughs> It's not like they're really going to ever go anywhere. I mean, they do, but really a short film, I think, should be used to try things. Mm-hmm. Use as an opportunity to be like, let me let me try telling a story this way, or let me try this script that I've been working on this idea, and I want to test it out in this short form. But I think, ultimately, you need to transition to feature work. You know, if you really want to like be a yeah, filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, that's we what know. I... Then that's that goes to what we said earlier about like just leave just, us alone. Just, like those dangerous words. I just <laughs> but just but just doing it, you know, because like like you know, you're talking to Timothy what he was saying earlier about like writing and like just being in a room and writing alone. It's like yeah, you could do that or I could do that, but it's like I just don't want to be a right. I want to be a filmmaker, so I gotta just make movies. So that's why I feel like you know, no matter what flaws I see in my current project that I'm working on. It's like, I just got to make the fucking movie. Like, I, I need to make it. I have to. <laughs> Cause I read yeah. a, an article yeah. re- recently, and there's a really awesome quote in it that said, um, make a short film not to prove to others that you can make a, a film, but make a short film to prove to yourself that you can make a short or make a, a film. Yeah. And I think that's such a smart way to look at it because y- it is an experiment to see, like, do I have the skills to, like, keep going? Do I have the skills to, like that I feel like it, I'm a worthwhile filmmaker or storyteller. And then, yeah, go on and do a feature because yeah. you're right. Short films have a very small audience and as very few film, short films actually get any notoriety out of the thousands and thousands that get made every year. Hundreds of thousands at this right. point. Hundreds probably. of thousands, like I, yeah. I work on them all the time, but like, I don't know if I've ever just gone to watch random people short films. Right. <laughs> Like no one's no one's looking for that. Right. There is communities I, online that are looking for them. You know, they're small, but I mean, I think they do exist. <laughs> I think they're small. Yeah, but also to to go back to what you were saying earlier about like how to find an editor that you work well with. I think making a short is a good chance to like find your people, find yeah. your crew. You know, as far as like from a directing yeah. standpoint, I think this kind of shorter form thing, it's good to test out. Not just the project, but the people. Because so much of filmmaking is finding those people, yeah. you know? Yeah, I find don't know about team. Timothy, but I definitely found my team through my short filmmaking, you know, or at least most of them, you know? I think I I don't have, like, a, a steady team of people, but I feel like I know what I'm looking for in people. I think I can assess reels really well and also just talking to people, like, if they're going to be somebody that I can work with because I know the qualities and the traits that really helped me like on set or in pre-production or post-production yeah and there's definitely like people that i would work with over and over again like i would work with you Ulrich, again i've worked with the yes. my dp phil so <laughs> there are people that i would but it's not like <laughs> it's not like i have to put that crew together which right. i think is probably a good thing because 
your crew is not always going to be available. Yeah, it's it's good to know yeah. a bunch of different people. But I, I mean, I love what you said, Ariel, about like, you know, just working with new people, because I think it is really exciting and fun to work with different people and new people. Like, I love working with different DPs. You know, I'm, I've worked with a bunch of different editors or a couple different editors at this point. And like, I just think it's fun to, to meet new people and explore new styles because you learn from everything you do, you know, man. My one of my favorite parts about this industry, which is also terrifying, is that you don't know where something will leave you. <laughs> like we don't know where we're gonna be three yeah. years from now or what we're hell, gonna be working no. on. You know? <laughs> and the the more the more things you work on and the more people you interact with, like all those things can affect your life in a way that you can't predict. To that point, know? do you think that as filmmakers we should set goals for ourselves? Or do you think that's just stupid and you just see where things go? I think you absolutely should set goals. I'm a big believer in setting goals. Yeah. But what's a goal that you have right now? Yeah. <laughs> On the spot. <laughs> oh, man. My private goals. <laughs> my life yeah, goals. put it out there. Whatever it is. <laughs> hey, people aren't going to know what your goal is unless you say it. So let's put it out there and maybe somebody on That's this podcast true. is going to hear it and be like, hey, I can help that dream come true. Right now, it's to keep going. It's to, like, yes, I'm cutting, but, like, I'm nowhere near done, you know? Like, I, I want to keep working on better and better projects. So my goal right now is, like, how can I, how can I do nice. this? How can I keep pushing myself? Awesome. I feel like we could talk, talk forever. Yeah, but I'm already late for work. <laughs> I know. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, both of you. <laughs> it's okay. Well, so let's wrap this up. I just want to say right. congratulations, Ariel, yeah. on your your new job. Like it's awesome. I wish Thank we would you. had you on the podcast like six months ago when you were struggling a little bit more and getting really frustrated and, and not there. <laughs> but I love the positivity and I feel inspired. And thank you so much for coming on and yeah. sharing sharing all this stuff. I think it was really good. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Thank you for. If people want to find you, should they go to the, your website? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I really, I mean, like, I watched, like, almost everything on there yesterday. I, I didn't watch everything, but almost everything, and it's all amazing. So, people, take some time. Watch Ariel's work. I mean, it's really fucking cool, especially the Creed one and the Game of Thrones one, and even the clip from Night Owls was awesome. So, I don't know. I think just check it out. It's really, really cool stuff. Um, you'll be doing yourself a favor, so, you know. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to plug the spirit machine again. <laughs> so uh, I've been talking to theaters. I'm pretty locked on these dates now. Wednesday, September 21st at the Embarcadero Theater at 7 o'clock. If you guys can make it, come out. I'd love to I'd love to have everyone out there. And then in Los Angeles on Tuesday, September 20th. I believe at a new facility that they just built in El Segundo for uh, Visual Effects House. And we're going to be the first ones to use their theater wow. at 7 o'clock. So, Ariel, oh, nice. you, you should be there, too, if you can make it. If you can get I'll out of work. All right. Sweet. Thanks, everyone. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you, Ulrich. And thank you, Ariel, for being on the show. If you like the show, tell your friends about us or leave a review on iTunes. Check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com, where we'll have a link to Ariel's website. And I don't think we talked about anything else, but any, any other things that we talked about, we'll, we'll put links there that you guys can check out. Give us a shout out on Twitter at MMIH Podcast or send us an email at podcast at makingmoviesishard.com. That's it. That's our show. Get to work.